Hi, I'm Dan Krinas, host of the Leader of Learning podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, coming soon to Teaching Learning Leading K-12, Ed Curation, where we reshape learning podcasts and Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are doing a show swap. That's right. This is so cool. Ed Curation is sharing one of my shows on theirs, and I'm sharing one of theirs on my show. You're going to love the episode and the show. Make sure that you check it out, and don't forget to tell them that you heard about their show here on Teaching Learning Leading K-12. Ha <laughs> ha. So cool. Coming soon. Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm talking with Luke Girardi. Luke is a short story writer, and he writes what he knows. He bases his fiction on real-life people. And just as a note, he overcame childhood cancer and was raised in extreme dysfunction. His book is called Children of Violence. It's so real. It's so powerful. You'll connect with his characters, whether good or bad. So much to learn today. Thanks for listening. And by the way, don't forget, it would be so cool if you go to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and uh, rate and review the podcast. Could you do that for me? Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Hey, do you need help in becoming more effective at teaching virtual classes? Well, NVTA, the National Virtual Teaching Association, has a semester program that is college accredited and designed to help you become more successful as a virtual teacher. A few of the topics that will be focused on are establishing relationships in the virtual environment, virtual instruction best practices, differentiation in the virtual classroom, and managing virtual resources, among others. NVTA is an affiliate partner with Teaching Learning Leading K-12, and there's so much there to help you be successful in the virtual classroom. Uh, so take a look. Go to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash sponsors, find the NVTA logo and click on it to take you to their website. Happy learning. Hey, Steve here. And my podcast, Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is hosted on Podbean. If you use my affiliate link when you sign up for podcast hosting, you will get one month free. I've been on Podbean for the whole existence of my podcast since November of 2013. In that time frame, I've had nonstop service. I've had easy access to assistance when I needed help. I've been able to upload unlimited pictures and podcast episodes. The dashboard is easy to use. My Podbean community has grown tremendously. Looking at starting a podcast? Well, use my affiliate link to get one month free of hosting. Go to my website at stephenmaletto.com slash sponsors and click on the Podbean hosting link to see what plans are offered and choose the one that you like the best. You'll be glad you did. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Luke Girardi is a writer of short stories. Children of Violence is his first novella. He writes what he knows, basing his fiction on real-life people and inspired by his observations or firsthand experience of actual events. He is a fighter and a survivor. He overcame childhood cancer, lymphoma. That was the easy part. Being raised in dysfunction was not. Growing up in a suburb of St. Louis, Luke lived with his mother, a church-going, God-fearing woman from the Philippines who provided anything but a sane childhood. To the outside world, everything seemed normal in this nice farm community. But in reality, he says his mom's practice of her faith was more like a cult where militaristic brainwashing went on. He grew up with survivalists. His parents were divorced when he was very young. He would visit his dad on the weekend in a crime-infested part of St. Louis, where the gang-ridden streets were filled with people who cared nothing about their lives and even less about yours. 
His dad was a bit of a hustler and gambler. He drank excessively, popped pills, and smoked marijuana. He lived in a condemned building and suffered from mental issues. He committed suicide a decade ago. As soon as Luke turned 18 and graduated from high school, he left home and never looked back. He moved to Denver where he knew no one and had nothing. He made a life for himself, met a woman, and got married. They had a child together. A few years later, they divorced. For the past decade, he has worked for North Park Transportation, beginning as a dock supervisor and working his way up to fleet safety manager. He earned his AAS in avionics engineering from Colorado Aerotech, and he lives just outside of Denver and enjoys raising his daughter, age seven. Luke, welcome to our show and say hi to everyone. Hey, thank you for having me. Luke, glad you're here. And uh, uh, before we get into your book, Children of Violence, let's start by talking about this. What makes you happy? Well, uh, I have a daughter. She's seven, and I raise her, and uh, she's into soccer, movies, and playing, and has friends, and I just enjoy spending time with her and raising her. That's awesome. That's awesome. As a father of two sons, I totally understand. That's good stuff. So as a child, did you have a happy place that you kind of escaped to, or or, or what was that way that you escaped what might have brought you down? Well, uh, my way of escape, when, when I was with my mother, uh, I wasn't allowed to read books. So I would have to, that's an interesting question. Uh, I would sneak books from friends and I would hang out at the library, which I wasn't allowed to go to. Uh, and I would, I would read a lot of books and that's, and I still read a lot and that's probably what got me into writing. I also, with, when I was with my dad, I'd watch a lot of old films, classic cinema, things like that. And, uh, I would just, a movie's on, I'm gone. You can't talk to me. You can't, that that's my escape, you know, books and movies, gotcha. things away from real life. Gotcha. Gotcha. The, uh, you know, it, it, so I got to ask because you had a lot of stuff going on. I mean, and you, you have to beat the cancer along with the other issues in your family. And I mean, why'd your experiences as a child not define your future? What do you think? Well, th- they did, uh, in, in a lot of ways, a, a lot of what my, my parents did in the way that they lived their life showed me what I did not want to do in life. Uh, you know, I've been at my job 16 years, you know, into my career. My dad could never hold a job. My mom could never hold a job, you know, things like that. You know, just a lot of what I saw growing up, I did not want to do. And so in a way it did define who I am as a person. And that's, it, you're right. That's, I, I didn't even think going that direction, but that's awesome because you've managed to stay focused on that path to, I guess, to write the parts of the ship that you didn't like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, and I, and I, and I wanted to start that way because, you know, a lot of kids, uh, whatever, they don't know how to find that happy place if there's not an adult there or whatever. And a lot of them turn to other adult, you know, to not adults. They turn to kids to look for, you know, that, uh, to help them escape that world. And, you know, obviously that's how. That is true. And, uh, all of my friends, uh, I've had since I was a kid, I I've been blessed in the regard that I've had really good friends and they had really good parents. So I had, even though my, life was in turmoil as a youngster, the people around me were actually very positive and a good influence. That, that's awesome. That, that's awesome. And it, that's cool. Cause that, uh, obviously played a role I would think in helping you oh, yeah. in that path that you took. Good stuff. Hey, so let, let's shift this into your book, children of violence. I mean, what was your original inspiration for this book? 
well, I've always been interested in the, like the actual art storytelling. Like I, I've read a lot and watched a lot of movies and I've always dreamed about, you know, being involved in that to some degree. And, but everything I wanted to talk about, everything I wanted to write about was not necessarily taboo, but could be considered material that's frowned upon, you know, not happy topics. I don't have a hero's journey. I don't have a love triangle. I don't have an adventure. Uh, it's just gritty, dark, real life stuff. But there is some humor in it as well. I guess my inspiration would be just wanting to write for years. And it took me a long time to actually finish the project. I got you. So it's, you know, it's kind of, kind of like you knew what you, you had this area that you wanted to write. Yeah. It's, it's what you, I mean, I've, I've read this about you. It's like what, what you knew and, uh, yeah. and you've always wanted to kind of put it down. That's, that's cool. I, I you know, it, I got to tell you, as a note, Children of Violence is far from a G-rated read. <laughs> so for anyone thinking yeah. that, can you talk about why you wrote it that w- the way you did? Well, I wanted to make it realistic. Uh, my writing style is is oral. I, I talk it out loud. I, I write in proper English, uh, but a lot of the book is slang. A lot of it is from a person's perspective. Uh, all of it's from someone's perspective, at least. And I wanted to keep the dialogue as realistic as possible. And when you have bad people, they're going to say bad things and they're going to do bad things. And when they talk about it, the the language is just, you know, vulgar at times, but it's realistic to who the character is. So for an, an example of that would be, I, I have a character named Frederick and Frederick is a white man and he hates everyone who isn't white. So he's going to use language that is, well, not that nice when he talks about other people. I got gotcha. you. I've met people like that. So it's not complete fiction. Oh, I got gotcha. you. It, it reads very real. I've, um, you're, all your characters have, uh, a, a t- you know, seem very real, especially, you know, my experiences with, uh, people of all backgrounds. There's a, there's hatred for everything. And, uh, it's amazing what, uh, how it materializes and, uh, some very colorful words come out. <laughs> yeah. And I was surprised about how, cause I kind of became him, you know, just in his mindset. And I was very surprised as how far I could actually go in that character. So. Kind of surprised myself as gotcha. well. Interesting. It, it, as a note, if, if, you know, in looking at the characters that you uh, write about in Children of Violence, uh, is one of your characters one that you just had to include? I mean, it, you know, like one that was there from the very beginning that you, you're like, this is going to be one of my characters in this story. One of the, maybe not the character itself. There's a character named uh, Frankie in a nursing home and he escapes the nursing home. And he buys a couple watermelons, a butcher knife, and a bottle of gin. He drinks the gin, goes back to the nursing home, and he's chopping up the watermelon to hand out. Maybe not the character himself, but that that story is my dad. That's a real thing that my dad did. He escaped from a nursing home. He got really drunk and started hacking the watermelon, 
passing it out. No one could stop him. No one wanted to get close because he's got this butcher knife and he's waving it around and all the old people are rolling up saying thanks to Jimmy for the melon and rolling off. And I mean, how could you not write about that? You know, right. it's just such a bizarre story, you know? Gotcha. So that, that's something I, I had to have in there somehow. And there's other stories like that that are based off true events as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. That sound like fiction that sound like complete fiction. The, uh, the, <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, I can see someone saying to you, there's no way that happened. You're like, nope. <laughs> it was real. It came back and um, gave everybody watermelon that it cut up. So, you know, um, it, you know one of the things that uh, um, that you do is you connect your characters and your story. I didn't think that's what it was going to be. When I when I first uh, had the intro to your story, then I started reading it. I thought uh, that I was going to have, like, vignettes of individuals. And immediately it crosses over. And they crisscross and such, and I and I love that. It uh, could you talk about developing this connectedness with the stories? I mean, what, what was going through your thoughts? I mean, why? Well, it, it started off as I had probably 15, 16 short stories uh, years ago, and there's about six of them, and they were all in the same world. And what I did was I took them and I rewrote them ten times and connected them. And I spent a lot of time on the timeline. Uh, the timeline loops back around at the beginning and just everything kind of connects. And I had just chapters strewn across the living room floor, you know, just trying to get the order right. What do you need to read before you read the next part? What I didn't want, and, I, and I've succeeded thus far, is nobody that has read it said, I saw that coming. Or I knew which way the story was going to go, because in and that's because the way the timeline is, and because the stories are based on real life, you know. So there's really no way to see that coming. Oh, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I from the very beginning, I, you, I didn't think I was going to be all interconnected, and and it was, and then I, there's no way. I mean, from there on, um, there's no way I could have predicted what was going to happen. So I, I, I got to say kudos to you with your story like that, because it's not uh, it, it's not predictable, which is nice because it's I mean, that it does mirror life in that way that, uh, uh, you know, your the characters in, in our world. There may be some of them in our worlds that are, <laughs> you know, kind of figure out what's going to happen, but typically not not so much. So good stuff. Yeah, with I, that. I don't want anyone to know what's what's going to be on the next page that that was my goal oh, you definitely did that and i thought that was cool because that like i said that's not how i started off approaching it i thought okay i, I get where this is nope <laughs> nope <laughs> and you taught me a lesson right out there quickly <laughs> so i like that i, I like that in a story because it's uh it's it's awesome way you did that so uh you know what thank you for the most part the adults in the lives of your characters are not there for them Let's let's kind of take your story and come to the real world. What's what's the danger of that? Of you know the, the adults just leaving them to their own devices or letting them down time after time again, or you know making promises and not being there for them, or, or simply just not being there in, in their world and they create their own world. It just it's kids need guidance. They they need guidance from an early age, and there's you, you need parents in the home or someone there to guide you. And it just, 
it, it leaves for an unhappy childhood. It leaves for a, most likely an unhappy adulthood. If you can't overcome the loneliness and the being let down, uh, the, it, it just leaves too many unknowns uh, with no guidance of the future. Yes. Just so much I can, I can see in that, you know, I, having been in a situation where I worked with, uh, um, personnel, we were in a, in a school that, uh, we're trying to get the gangs under control and the violence under control and move that out. A lot of times the kids who had none of the above of the type of stuff, uh, of adult guidance or, or just adult involvement or neighbors who helped them turn to other kids. And that's obviously where the gangs grew or the, the, um, we had robbing crews as well. We weren't necessarily real gangs and we had real gangs and we had any number of things where they're, you know, they're listening to people who would sacrifice them just as quickly as, uh, you know, they probably have better luck with the, the errant family well, members. Yeah. It, it, it all starts in the home, you know, if, and it's good that, you know, people like you were there to help guide them when they didn't have people in the home. But by the time, the, you know, the system comes into play. It's pretty much too late. The statistics on that are obviously abysmal. Once you're in at a young age, you're going back again once you get out. You know, it's it's the way it is. You got to catch them young and get them on the right path. Well, you got that right. And and I can only imagine what it's like for kids who are, you know, well, I, I've seen it. I mean, the kids who are in foster care who don't get adopted early age, you know, so they're as teens in facilities and stuff like this, where they're going to school. Yeah. No one wants to adopt a older kid, you know, and right. it's, that's, that's another sad segue, you know, into reality, you know, the foster's kids that are older get passed around and they have a difficult time as well. Yeah. Um, especially if you're then surrounded by kids who are not exactly good role models for you to, cause you got to have something clicking inside that's telling you, yeah, do not follow that one <laughs> or don't follow that yeah. group or whatever. And, uh, without that clicking, then you know, I got a lot of trouble coming. It, you know, one of the things that, uh, I got to ask you, is there, is there some central message that you really hope people will take away from reading your book? I, I don't necessarily have a message. My goal was to entertain and tell a story attempt to tell a story in a way that uh, has never been told before. Uh, that was my goal. And I, wa I wanted just to give readers a different experience. Like I said, I read a lot and a lot of stories are the same, you know, especially from the same author. Things get redundant. Um, but I, I guess if I, if I had a message, uh, just coming up with this on the fly, I one thing is kids don't have is they don't have a perception of time and how time actually works. When I was 17, I was going to run away at one point. Things were bad. I was just going to, I'm out, you know, I was just going to live in my car and be homeless, drive to the beach. I don't know. I didn't live close to the beach, by the way. And so once I had a friend stop me and he told me just wait till I at least got my high school diploma. And then after that, I can just get a job, move somewhere, work hard, get away from everything, you know, at least have a diploma and at least be a legal adult. And that's exactly what I did. Uh, so when you're stuck in as a kid, that's all you know. 
And so you never really think it's going to end. But time moves differently as an adult. I can't really explain that. Oh, I understand what you're talking about. I mean, a lot of the kids that I worked with over the years, uh, they, they live day to day. And so tomorrow didn't really, there wasn't tomorrow. Yeah, there's no, there's something called future time orientation. There's no future time orientation. You get a kid that's well-structured and has a good balance. You know, they, they have a plan. You know, there's college, you know, how are we going to pay for it? Where are you going to live? There's a plan that spans, you know, into grad school and possibly a, a job opportunity waiting. There's a, a future, you know, but not everyone has that. And when you're living week to week, I mean, even as a young adult living week to week, it's, it can be a mess, you know, paycheck to paycheck, you know, which is, you know, obviously a different bag, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Did, did you have anybody in, in, in school that you kind of connect, uh, adult, I mean, that you, that might have connected with you or, and, and, uh, and I'm not doing the same thing as my last question, by the way. <laughs> um, what I, what I mean is that, and one of the things that popped in my head is that, uh, um, you know, a lot of times some of the kids who were trying to stay away from this side of things <laughs> that's going to turn towards gangs and or robbing crews and stuff like this, or, you know, hanging out and, um, you know, all kinds of self-medication becomes your life. Um, the, uh, a lot of times it was some adult in the school that, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, I, I remember a kid who figured out how to ride a bus take a, you know, the teacher bought him a bike. He got, he could take these different buses and that's how he got away from the area where he was supposed to be. And as a principal, I interceded and allowed him to be in our school and he worked to come back and forth that school and it kept him allowing him to graduate. But it was that teacher interference and help, you know, he just connected with that person who got him, you know, involved in different things. I just wonder if you had something like that. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it was a teacher, but I had, uh, like I said earlier, the friends of, or my parents, my friends' parents were always very supportive, very helpful, and always kind to me, welcoming me into their homes when I, did, you know, had issues, things like that. I did have a teacher, Mrs. Piner, and she taught me how to write, and I always wish I could talk to her about that, but she, she's passed, unfortunately. That's unfortunate, but that's, that's, that's interesting. Cause I, I just, you know, it, it was, it was an aspect that, uh, one of the things that I ran into a lot. And whether it was a teacher or somebody in the community, there was any number of things that a lot of times you ran into. And I was just wondering if there was a, those couple. And like you said, it was your friends, families and so forth. What, you know, with, uh, with, uh, children of violence and, uh, in the book, and I, and I hope your, your launch and your is going well. What, uh, you know, do you see something spinning off of it? Something that you're, uh, you know, continuation of some of the storylines or do you see it working for I, I you? I thought way? about that. The, I am working on a project right now. Uh, it's, uh, you know, children of violence covers a, a, a lot of heavy hitting topics, religion, poverty, crime. I mean, I, I even have a page on the, the endless war in Afghanistan, which is uh, quite topical. Uh, very much so right now uh and that's random you know uh but my my new book that i'm working on is about uh mass shootings uh in america and why they happen so i've studied a lot of 
really depressing stuff for about a year. And I, I can't say I've cracked the code, but I, I've figured out why they happen in America and not, you know, in places, Italy or Europe or, you know, wherever else. So I figured out what's going on in America to young men and I don't have an answer, but I can tell you why it's happening. Unfortunately. Gotcha. Yeah. That would not be, I, I, I would not think that would be fun, uh, happy go lucky reading. <laughs> as you're... No, it's, it's, it's very depressing. And I, and the more I delve into it, the more I don't actually have an answer on how to fix it. I mean, my, I, I have solutions, but the solutions would potentially kill more people than the actual shootings. So, okay. It, it's, it's, it's a, it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre world we live in. Oh, it's, it, it definitely is. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> you know, I don't, I've worked with kids a long time and lots of kids who, I mean, they're, Kids are from different families, lack thereof, complete families. I mean, there's any number of things that I've seen and I don't, and I still don't understand why, you know, when you look at the research on it and stuff like this, why some of them didn't turn to some of the people that are in those buildings. Just like I was asking you that question. I mean, cause it's amazing how, why there isn't something somewhere they can reach out to. I mean, when, when you had the, the guys that did Columbine, I mean, they're in their houses with their parents. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, we could go into this. It would take a long time to break everything down. And right. I know you don't have time today for that, but it's, it's a product of we've changed society so much for the better, but we've changed the way humans have been living for the last 10,000 years. In the last hundred years, things have changed so much. And with that change comes consequence, unfortunately. And when we live in a very strange time. So, yeah. That we do. That we do. So, you know, sorry, I kind of sidetracked you there on, on future plans and such. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I could go into that all day, but <laughs> cool. it's not done. And, and, and it's not the, the, the issue with the new one. Well, kind of like this one is it's not politically correct, you know, and that's, and that's this that's this book all day long. It's not a politically correct book. Far from I was I, I was asked by a coworker, he said, Do you have the right to use the language you use? You know, and I said, Well, it's it's realistic to the character. It's not me as a person. It's it's not a nonfiction book where I'm spouting my opinions of what I believe about other people. It's a character who is the bad guy. But written as a hero he thinks he's the hero so they all think they're the hero yeah that's no matter no matter how good or bad and then that's true with everybody and that's kind of where i was going with that what i was going to ask you and i'm sorry for interrupting you that's what uh that's what another thing that's interesting and very real about the way you're writing is that uh, they think that they're the good guy or and it depends on your perspective in the storyline <laughs> yeah but exactly it, one of the things it's got to be cool for you to i mean I've read lots of the reviews you've gotten and you get these awesome reviews. Is that kind of a neat feeling to say that you, you put your, I, I did not expect that. Uh, all of the reviews have been positive, it's which awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get slammed eventually, which is fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm not on some kind of high horse or anything, but they keep coming back positive. And I, the more they come back positive, the more I'm scared because I was too afraid to do this project for years in the first place just knowing that it was just going to be bashed and no one was going to like it. Or, you know, can I tell a story 
that other people can read and understand. I know what it says. I know what the story is. But can other people comprehend what I'm trying to say? I mean, I, I had no clue. And uh, I had some friends that read it and um, some family members. And uh, no, sorry, just friends that read it. And, and I was afraid of what people would think. You know, some people, like, what would this person think? But none of that matters. All the people I was afraid of reading it and judging me, they didn't read it anyway. So it didn't matter. So. Yeah, and, that's, and what's cool, though, is that you got some awesome reviews. I mean, this is, and I've read myself, so it's, I, I got to tell you, I, I give you another kudos to it. It's very real, and it's, you know, it's, uh, I mean, this is not a walk in the park, and that's it's interesting that somebody would ask you, do you have a right to, to use the words? It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can share a few of them where I had a few people tell me uh, um, what they were going to do to me as a principal, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, I, none of that PC, let me tell you that. And I wish I'd recorded it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's one of those things that it's like, well, you know, and I think it's, it's very real what you've written and it wouldn't life. Our lives are not PC, no matter how much people want to make it or put things on top of it. And especially if you're dealing with a, a dysfunctional life and it's an innovative of itself. Yeah. But you know, good stuff there. I mean, what, uh, you know, and so I gotta, you know, I gotta ask as you're, as you're doing this and you, you, you're taking this, uh, um, your children of violence book and you've, uh, developed these different ideas. Are there some thoughts that you have about, uh, why some people kind of get stuck in, in cycles of violence and poverty and, and such? Well, people are, are tribal. They, they stick with their own kind. So changing and moving on is very difficult. And if you, and there's a lot of fear of the unknown. So if you don't know how to change, you're not going to change. And like I said before, the uh, there's no future time orientation for a lot of people on the low end of poverty. You know, they're just living day by day. There's no there's no retirement plan. There's no five year plan. There's no one month plan. It's just you know, and, and then you add drugs and alcohol into the mix and forget about it. Yeah, that's powerful. Very much so. If you had a chance, Luke, to talk with an audience of educators, what would you like to tell them about kids they're working with who've had life experiences like you or other other characters that you have in your book? I, I would really hit hard with the, the time factor. Kids don't understand that they have a whole life ahead of them. You, you hear about kids committing suicide, you know, and wow. You know, 16 or something, you know, I mean, that's, that's heavy stuff. You know, they don't understand that even if a situation is bad, they can wait it out until they're an adult and then go uh, as, as long as they're willing to do so when they have the opportunity. A lot of people have the opportunity to leave a bad situation and they don't. And that spans not just life. But I mean, that could be a bad job. That could be a, a bad relationship, you know, with a partner, you know, it just, people need to leave. People need to leave when the time is right. And for kids, especially, they need to wait it out. And I know that's tough when you're in the middle of it. Yeah, it is. You know, I, I think they have a lot of pressures on them to, just like you said, it's, 
there's an unknown that at least this part's known <laughs> that they're living right now. And when you start talking about what is on the other side of the fence or, or, you know, whatever, like you said, in that's involving future planning and that doesn't exist in their lives. I think it's kind of hard for them to imagine what that would be like, which, you know, is quite interesting aspect of trying to get, you know, kids to focus on school or stop running away or, or to, you know, stay here or, you know, going, I know you're making money by going and painting all weekend long, but you know, you could, <laughs> you could figure out how to, how to graduate and you got other doors that are open for you. There's any number of aspects of it that, uh, I've seen kids just kind of look at you and go, you know, well, I need these three jobs. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Nice. And uh, in some cases they were working to pay their parents' bills. Yeah. It's tough. It is tough. And as a note, coming back to your book, I mean, you hit some tough topics in there and I think it's very real. And I think that's why you're getting all the, the positive kudos from other people that you don't know or saying good stuff. And, I, and Yeah, exactly. It's, and that's, that's, like I said, that's a complete shock. I expect it just to be pummeled, pummeled alive. Don't quit your day job, you know. Nice. But yeah, but, but it's 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 been a it's been a you know a joy to see that people are enjoying what I have to say. That's that's cool. That's cool. That's uh, it's it's got to be because you've got I mean you got good stuff that you got going on there. So uh, I hope that you'll keep keep at that because you got uh, other stuff going on. So is is children of violence your first? Of this type, have, have you written other short? Have you written short no. stories or a, a novel? Or? I've just written the short stories, and then I, I, and then I took them and connected them. You know, that's that's it. That was my first project. Uh, every year, I would write something, and then I would finish it, or I can't write about this or use that word. You know, and it would just fizzle. And then, just every December, I would, sh I would uh, be really sad that I didn't finished project and then one year december showed up and then i wasn't sad because it was actually done that's cool that had been neat feeling it's probably something you remember very well <laughs> yeah that's that's awesome yeah luke as we're drawing to a close if someone wants to connect with you who wants to learn more about what you're doing or uh, just stay in touch with you where would you send them first where do you want them to how do you want them to reach out uh, well, I, have, I have a website uh loopgirardi.com uh, I'm on Facebook, Luke Girardi, and I'm on Instagram, Luke Girardi. Nothing complicated in the name, so just my name and you'll find me. That's awesome. And I'll put those links in my show notes so it's easy to find there as well. And uh, it's just, it's cool stuff. And by the way, I like your website too. It's good stuff. It's right there and it, it highlights your book very Thank well. You. So, the, uh, so I got two last questions for you and they, they okay. just are things I like to ask my guests. And the first one goes like this. How do you keep going when there may be so much going on that you want to quit? So I, I had that issue with this book. How do I finish it? How do I find the time? So the secret that I have that I found is that I work. I worked on this book 15 minutes every single day. Some days that would just be 15 minutes. It would just be that there would be no new material. I would just edit a little bit, or I would write two paragraphs, but that's two paragraphs further than I was the last day. So it's 15 minutes every day. And sometimes that 15 minutes would turn into three hours. And three hours is about the max I can go. Like, that's it. I don't have anything left after three hours. But 
you have to make a decision. It doesn't matter. Holiday, weekend, Saturday, Sunday, doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how tired you are. Best do it at the beginning of the day. 15 minutes a day. And then one day it was just done. And then that's, that, that was my secret. That's awesome. On that day, by the way, did you happen to go, am I done? <laughs> did, you- I, I did. I said, but wait, that's, that's it. And I was very confused. And then, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that. Last question. And this is something that, you know, however you define this person, that's, that's what I'm really getting at. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Well, I, I, I told you about Mrs. Piner earlier. She taught me how to write. And I really wish I could have, uh, you know, talked to her about writing and uh, this project, you know. But unfortunately, she had passed a while ago. So, Well, that's cool that you have, have someone, though, that you can look to that uh, helped encourage you in that writing area, which is pretty cool. So awesome stuff. Luke, thanks so much for talking with me today. Your book, Children of Violence, gets the reader's attention, sends a powerful message, and it makes you thankful for what you escaped and for life that you didn't have. I mean, I'm wishing you the best in all you do. Thank you so much for having me on. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.